Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel and Hookset. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. Bless God, bless others, be the blessing. And this is our theme verses here. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness when? In the day of judgment. Who's going to be judged? Who is he talking about? Christians. He's talking about believers. There is a judgment for believers. It's not a judgment to determine whether or not you're going to go to heaven or hell. It's a judgment to determine your rewards And you're standing in heaven and hell because he who is faithful over little will be ruler over much, right? And so we're going to be judged by Christ at the last day. And what God is saying is, here's the answer key to that test. The answer key is this, that as he is, so are we in this world. Can you guys say that with me? One, two, three. As he is, so are we in this world. What does that mean? That means we live like, love like, act like, and care like Jesus. That Jesus' core value is our core value. That what he believes is true is true, and we believe it too. So we go on and we we read verse 18, there's no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear, the fear of judgment, because fear involves torment But he who fears has not been made perfect in love, and we love him because he first loved us. And I think that's really important for us to understand because there's a lot of preachers today that are preaching fear to Christians instead of preaching love. Now listen, there's a healthy fear of God. It's the beginning of wisdom. But there's something different about that. They they preach a fear of God as the boogeyman, as God in heaven with a spiked club waiting to crash down on you when you mess up. They preach the judgment seat of Christ as a place of absolute terror. And it will be, by the way, it'll be a terror to those believers who are not being as he is in this world. But instead of giving the answer key and saying, dude, you can be as Jesus is. You can be filled with the love of God here on earth to such a degree that when you're seeing people who don't know Jesus, they will know him through you. That's an amazing message. We had a funeral service here several years ago for a young man. He died of cancer. He was 10 years old, I think. Um, And uh, his family goes to Southside. And we just buried their pastor's little boy. And they were here uh, for the service. And this happened to be the place where their 10-year-old boy's service was held. Some of you were here. It was several, several, several years ago. It was in the old building. It was a three-hour funeral service. Doctors and nurses from Boston's Children's came up to testify about this child that changed them. Now listen, people that have cancer, they sometimes change. They become a little different. They see life differently than we do. 
I knew it, my friend of mine that I led to the Lord before he passed away, Doug. He just, there was something different. Well, this little boy was different on another level. See, this little boy, we didn't find out until later, he had been saved by Jesus Christ on a playground. He was led to the Lord by one of our little boys here at church. A little boy whose name was Randy Jr. I know, that's what I thought. <laughs> Randy Jr.? <laughs> He's a, he's a good man. I had a chance to hang out with him a couple weeks ago. He is a good man. And uh, he's still following Jesus. They just live up north now. He led this kid to Jesus. Now this kid, they didn't end up staying in church, and this kid didn't really have any formal Jesus training necessarily. But the Jesus in him loved those nurses and those doctors to such a point that they said, we have never taken care of another child like this child. He gave us so much love. It was like he cared more for us than we were caring for him. Anybody remember that when we were at the funeral? It, it, it was mind-blowing. And then to find out later, it was because Jesus was in him. And he was unmistakable. Folks, we need to live that kind of life. We need to live that kind of life. And that's what it means to bless God bless others and be the blessing. He pours into us first. And that's what happened to this little boy. God's blessing, God's love poured into him. And the, the, listen, the natural result of that is that it poured out of him. Now what happens to us is sometimes we, we restrict the flow of God's love. We get hangups. We get older we get abused, we get hurt, we get lied to, we get manipulated, we get disappointed by people and by God. And I know you're saying, God doesn't disappoint us, he's God, he's perfect. Look at your life and tell me that you're not living it as if God has disappointed you. There are things that God has said no to you on, or error prayers that he has said wait, or just isn't really giving you an answer yet. And you're sitting there and you're like, come on, where are you? Why'd you say no? And this is this life that you're living and it's handicapping you instead of learning to accept God's answer and trust his love you live a life full of angst and you turn that fountain off and folks we gotta we gotta open wide the fountains so people can see the love of Christ in us we need to stop restricting the flow with our hang-ups and our heartbreaks and our attitudes that has nothing to do with the sermon that I'm preaching today Except some of y'all need to hear it. Maybe we should just close in prayer, but we're going to go to servant. Servant. This is the last S of our E-kids, right? We talked about kindness. We talked about impartiality. We talked about being a devoted follower of Jesus. And then we're going to talk about being a servant today. Matthew chapter 20. This is in the Bible app if you have it. Uh, open your Bibles if you don't have it. And um, we'll be re let's read starting in verse 25. But Jesus called them to himself, who is them, his disciples. And he said, you know the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them? The rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And those who are, in great, who are great exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. 
Jesus, the servant. We had a young man go to camp this week, and he was a leader. His name was Joe. Is Joe back there? Hey, Joe. One of the things that I love most about camp is not just that it, it blesses the kids. It's not just that the kids take their next steps. It's not that just the kids begin to own their faith. And that's really what we want to happen in our student ministry all year long is kids taking ownership of their faith, not just believing it because their mommy and daddy believe it, but experiencing it for themselves. But the other thing I love about camp is that the leaders end up getting more impacted than the kids at times. And Joe was one of those young men, and, and uh, he, had, he had a rough week and a good week all, all bundled into one, and he came back and he's like, I want to serve the Lord with, with teens even more. What do I do? I want to do more. What do I do? I don't know if you talked to Josh yet about this, Joe. You probably should have started with Josh, by the way. But I mean, I am the lead pastor, so Josh can't be that upset. So I said to Joe, what Pastor Z said to me many years ago, Pastor Walt Zimmerman, the founder of this church, when I was about Joe's age, I was like head in the clouds. I'm gonna, I want to do this for Jesus. I want to do this. I want to do this. And, and, and Pastor Z said, so Eric, let me just let me talk to you. I'm going to give you a little story. I was walking through downstairs of the church and we started walking up the stairs and my wife, Mrs. Z, said to me, Walt, because she apparently didn't call him pastor, Walt... I just don't know what God's will is for my life. And they continued to walk, and, and, and she continued to talk, and then Pastor Z said, well, did you see that gum wrapper that we walked by? And she said, well, yeah. He said, God's will was for you to pick it up. Now, I know you're all thinking, what a chauvinist pig. He could have picked it up. Object lesson. It's an object lesson. And what he taught her and he taught me later on was those that are faithful over little will be made ruler over much. Sometimes our mind on the will of God is so great that we miss the will of God in the moment. So I shared that story with Joe. I said, this is how you're going to start, Joe. You got to be faithful to student ministry where you're at. You need to go to Josh and say, Josh, what do you need? What do you need? What can I do? And you need to serve the students in our church right now and do it faithfully. And what you're going to see is God will bless you and will give you more responsibility. I saw it with Angel Acevedo. As he was serving as our student ministry leader, gradually opportunities were coming his way to speak at large conferences to other youth pastors about how to be a student ministry leader how to be a bivocational leader. And because he was faithful over the small things. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. But number one, Jesus was a servant. We should be servants. We're called to join him in his mission as servants of all mankind. That's just reality. <clears throat> he, he is a servant. He is calling us to be servants to one another and to those that don't know him yet. And so here's, here's the question. How are we to serve? Who is that? <laughs> you just saw it? That's Melissa Roars. She was leading worship up here, the, the one in the Spider-Man outfit. And um, this, is, this, is, this is an act of service. Church, you know last year our trunk or treat broke records in this church? 
We had close to a thousand people come through our trunk or treat. They were given invitations to church. They were, they were shown the love of Jesus. And, and listen, I don't know all of the outcome of that. I know this, that we will not know the impact we have made until we get to heaven. But I can tell you that during the pandemic, parents wanted their kids to have some kind of normalcy. And the parents were in tune with their kids' heartaches. And they just, I can't tell you how many people said, thank you, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for doing this. It was a huge blessing to our community. Folks, we serve in a lot of different ways. So that's a good question. I think is how do we serve? So let's first of all think about what kind of servant we are. Have you ever asked somebody to lend you a hand? Who's asked, so, hey, can you give me a hand? And the response was this. <sighs> yeah. Y'all know what I'm saying? Most of you guys that have teenagers, you know exactly what I'm saying. Okay. Whatever. Or maybe they make a sour comment, but they do it, but they got to do it with a snide remark or your intention might have been to spend time with them like Pastor Z was with me. Some of my best times at Emmanuel were raking loom with Rick Morin. That was some of the best discipleship moments I have had at this church were moments that were done serving in menial tasks. Things that other people think are beneath them. Those were some of the greatest moments of discipleship I've ever had. You want to give these people a blessing. Maybe you want to give them some extra cash and you haven't told them that yet. And they go, oh, I guess so. And now you're like, well, I was going to give them 30, but now I'm going to give them five. You know what I'm talking about. You almost find yourself regretting that you asked for help in the first place. Anybody ever been in that place? You've asked for help. It might have even been given. But at the end of the day, you're like, I wish I'd have just done it by myself. It was more trouble than it's worth. What kind of servant are you? What kind of servant are you? Have you asked somebody to lend a hand <laughs> only to have to fix everything they did? Just because their heart wasn't in it. They did a half beep job. Angel, you know what I'm talking about. Angel's an entrepreneur. He's a master plumber. And he hires guys and he trains guys. And sometimes the guys, they just don't do exactly what they were supposed to do, exactly the way he wanted it done. Might even have been okay, but not the way the master wanted it done. And those of you guys that are angels employees, listen, you are disciples of the master and you should be doing it the way the master wants you to do it. That's just my thought on that. You work for him. You represent him. That's how I always worked as an employee. I represent the company. I'm going to do it as if it was my company. That's how I lived. Folks, you, 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 you get somebody to help you out and then you're kind of like, oh my gosh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Their heart wasn't in it. They did a slipshod job. They did trash work. And they leave, and maybe you don't want to hurt their feelings, so you wait till they leave, and then you fix everything. I think many of us have experienced this, and I think this is the sad truth, is that the Lord is experiencing the same thing with his people. We do half-baked work for Jesus. 
Like if a contractor came to our house, listen, I was a finished carpenter and I was the best at what I did because that's how driven I want to be the best. I think I was the best. I'm sure there was somebody maybe a little better than me. But I, I worked at my craft, folks. There's some people that didn't and they don't. Or there's some people you work at your craft, but when you come to church, you don't give it the same kind of diligence. You don't give it the same kind of attention to detail. And I think that's a travesty because there is no greater service that you can do than what you do for the Lord. And by the way, that's both at work and here. And, and long story short, it should be the same everywhere. I'll, I'll wait for it because that's biblical. And you're going to be like, really? Is that what the Bible says? Oh, dude, why am I up here preaching? I'm not here to preach my words. I'm here to expound on God's principles, his words. So let's take it to the Bible. John chapter 13, verse 12. John chapter 13, verse 12. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, he sat down and said to them, do you know what I've done to you? Now, this is a story of Jesus at the Last Supper. He disrobed, he wrapped his garment around his waist, and he, he went before each disciple and he washed their feet as a servant would do. So back in the, in the Middle East in the first century, people would come in, their feet are all dusty because the roads weren't really paved well, and, and they would sit down and their feet are dusty. And if the home was wealthy enough, the home would have a servant who would then wash the feet of those people that came, off the, came in off the street. It would, it would refresh them, clean them up, and then go in the rest of the house. Otherwise, if it wasn't a servant, it was somebody of a lower standing in the house, right? Nobody had offered to do that to anybody. They came in, they had dinner, and their feet were still dirty, and it wasn't okay. And the Jesus got up, and it was an object lesson. He got up, and, and he started to wash their feet. And when he finished washing their feet, he took his garments, sat down again, and he said, do you know what I've done? And I'm thinking if a teenager was there or a Gen Xer, a really sarcastic comment would have come out. If you call me teacher and Lord, you, you say, well, for so I am. There is nobody greater on the face of the earth than Jesus. There's never been anybody greater and there never will be anybody greater than Jesus Christ. There's no king, no president, no prime minister. There is no one greater than Jesus. And he said, you know what I've done? You call me teacher. You call me Lord, the supreme one. That is what Lord means, the supreme one. No one higher. This is what you call me and you do well because I am. If I then your Lord, your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given to you an example that you should do as I have done to you. So when I say that God has called us into his mission to serve others, here it is. This is what the Bible says. You call me Lord. You call me teacher. And you do well for I am. And if I've done this for you, you should do it for others. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Nor is he who sent him great, nor is he who, who sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. So that's like a bonus. 
Not only, do, not only do I get to follow in the footprints of Jesus and serve others like he did, listen, that's awesome, but I also am blessed when I do it. Think about that for a second. You're blessed. One of the kids that I talked to this week that came back from Camp Berea was having a really hard time, really struggling, had some medical issues, and was just struggling. This is what they said to me on Thursday. They said, I found my therapy. So you found your therapy. My therapy is helping others. And I'm like, dude, that's biblical. It's almost like, bless God, bless others. Be the blessing. And what this, this young person found was, was that they were being blessed while they were blessing others. And it was amazing. And it was beautiful. Folks, this is, this is what God is saying. Hey, you're going to be blessed if you follow my footprints and serve others, bless others. So how, how, how can we serve? How should we serve? Well, first of all, let's bring that picture back up. That's a foot. Ew. Not my thing with humility. There are some people that I will not ask for a single thing in this church. Like if I'm, if I'm thirsty or if I'm coughing or if I just need a drink of water up here on the platform while I'm preaching and whatever, there's some of you that I will not dare ask you, would you please get me a cup of water? Do you know why? Because you wouldn't do it with humility. You would look at me and say to yourself, who does he think he is? Folks, that's not how we serve. If you're not serving with a humble heart, with humility, I, I would go as far as to say you're not really serving Jesus. You're serving yourself. Think about this. I think this is a really great question to ask. A really good gut check is this. Would I be the one pastor would ask for a cup of water? That's a great gut check. Whether it's me or anybody else. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's uh, my daughter Chloe who serves in kids worship. Maybe she would ask you for a cup of water. What would your attitude be? Dude, you're 19, get it yourself. Who do you think you are? You're just a kid. Which she's not. She's a young adult. Gosh. Her and Sadie flew down to Florida all by themselves last week and went to Disney World together and paid for it all by themselves. So, such a blessing. What? And they didn't kill each other. That's another blessing. They're like literal sisters. Like, and they didn't kill each other. Uh, or maybe, maybe it's Luke Stringer. Luke is a, works like a dog. Can I tell you, like, Nate and I were putting this basketball hoop together that's out back. We want to be a blessing to our community. I want a basketball hoop that kids can come from the neighborhood and play basketball on and stuff. And, and uh, we're putting this thing together. And Luke got out of work after working like a slave with Nick, who is, like, insane. <laughs> And, and, and Luke gets back after working a day with Nick. And if you know Nick, you know what I'm saying. Like, Luke probably could barely walk. And I'm like, 
Luke has tools. Hey, Luke, can you help Nate and I put this together? He dropped whatever he, whatever he was going to do. Were you going to see your girlfriend? Was he going to see you? Did I mess that up? Because I'm not sorry. I needed him more than you did in that moment. I don't think we would have put that thing together without Luke. I mean, it would have been just Nate and I, and obviously I can handle it, but just Nate and I aren't putting all that stuff together. And Luke came in, man, and he was just a blessing. I was able to ask him because I knew that Luke had that humble spirit and he wasn't going to think, really? Who do you think you are? He just came in, and I know that Luke is also mature enough that if he really did have something else he needed to do, I hope that you would have said, Pastor, I really can't do this. I'm sorry. Here's my tools. Please don't break them. Folks, if, if somebody asks you for help, what's your attitude? I knew I could ask Luke, but there's other people here, not on your life, would I ask you. And that's a shame for you. It's a shame for you. It's a shame for me if people are afraid to ask me for help. That's a shame on me. That's a shame on me. Jesus talked about being a servant, but he also exemplified it with humility. Turn to Matthew chapter 25. Now, Matthew chapter 25. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his servants and delivered his goods to him. Now, I want you to understand something about this guy. This man traveling to the far country. Okay, this man represents Jesus. And we're going to find out that this man in the story was an incredibly wealthy man. When we talk about this man traveling to a far country, it's not just your average Joe traveling to a far country. This guy's got to be like a multi-millionaire. Because the talents that he gave to his servants represent years of salaries. It wasn't like, hey, here's $5,000, here's $10,000, here's $1,000. It was more like, here's $500,000. You follow what I'm saying? Or it may even have been, here's, here's $20 million. It, the talent is the largest denomination in the New Testament. That's what it represents. It's the heaviest weight in the New Testament. So for the kingdom of heaven, it's, it's like a man traveling to a far country, called his own servants, his own servants delivered his goods to them, and to the one he gave five talents, to the, another two, and another one, each according to his own ability. And then he went on his journey. So how are we to serve? What's the first thing that we said? With, 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 are you humble? Now those of you that are leaders, listen, it's not your job to humiliate those that work with you. It's not my job to humiliate you. I'm going to leave that up to God. He does a much better job at bringing us to humility. It's not my job to humiliate people. But you check your heart. Am I humble? Am I willing? Am I able? Right? And the next thing is this. Each according to his, his ability. So here's this Lord, this, this, this massively wealthy individual who represents Christ. He calls his servants to him. And he gives them each a certain denomination, a certain responsibility. And he gives it to them in a certain way. What was the way that he gave it to them? To each according to his own ability. Who gave them their abilities? Who gives you your ability? God does. He equips the called. 
So if God is calling you to something, can I tell you something? He has given you the ability. So some of y'all think, you know, God's calling me to serve in this area and I just can't do it. It's not. Listen, if God is calling you to do it, he is calling you to do it according to your ability. You follow? Now, if somebody else is calling you to do it, they might not have the wisdom of God. And they may be calling you outside of the abilities God has given you. And those are the moments, like I said about Luke, that you would have to say, I'm sorry, I can't. But when God calls you, you may be afraid. Listen, I was called to preach when I was 18 years old. You want to talk about afraid? I was shyer than dirt. Like, terrified. There's still a few people, Pam's smiling at me, there's still a few people that know that what I'm saying is true. I was 16 when I started coming to this church. My girlfriend, Trish, she's still my girlfriend and my wife. And it's awesome to have both in one person. Because you get in trouble when you have them separated. And um, <laughs> I, I was super shy. And God called me to preach and to pastor I was terrified. I ran for 10 years because I was terrified. I didn't think he was going to give me the ability. And I wasn't a pastor called preacher. That was one of the great things about Pastor Clow. He refused to be that person that called you into the ministry like that. He was not going to do that because people that are not called by God make big messes and are messed up themselves. You follow? So, as a matter of fact, he might have made it a little harder than he should have for me to answer the call into ministry. But listen, the, the point is this. If God is calling you, he is calling you according to your ability. He understands exactly how he has gifted you. Now, you might be afraid, but can I tell you when I finally answered the call of God on my life... He had fully prepared me to step into that position. And matter of fact, when I was arguing with him about it, which is what I do often, he ticked off each stinking box. He's like, no, Otter took care of that, took care of that, took care of that, took care of that, took care of that. And then I was left with nothing. So I said, okay, I'll do it. And then I told Trish, and we went 100 miles an hour. So he's going to ask you to do something that he has prepared you for or is in the process of preparing you for. A couple of things that he's prepared everybody for. One, the greatest act of service that we can do is share the gospel. I've said this years ago. We did a series called Jesus is Awesome. Maybe I'll, do this. Maybe I'll redo that one someday. Jesus is Awesome. The greatest blessing man has ever received, ever received, is not a winning lottery ticket. It's not a new car. It's Jesus. And if you're a believer and you're sitting in the sanctuary and you're thinking, you know, I think a million dollars would be a bigger blessing. I'm not entirely sure that you're saved. I'm not entirely sure that you fully understand what God has done for you. You were going to hell before you trusted Jesus. See, Jesus died on the cross for our sin. You couldn't pay the price that he paid. No one else who has ever lived could pay the price for your sin 
that Jesus paid. And he rose from the grave and the the resurrection of Jesus is awesome. His death, his blood pardons our souls. Our sins are washed away. I want to sing a song about the blood. Our sins are washed away because of the death and burial of Jesus. But I tell you something, because he rose from the grave, not only do we get a pardon, not only are we forgiven of our lifelong sin, past, present, and future, but because he rose from the grave, we will rise from the grave as well, and we will forever, the Bible says, be with the Lord and all of those who have trusted him. Could there be a bigger blessing than Jesus? And we are called to share it. And you say, oh, I can't talk to people. I'm going to challenge you. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. What you really mean is you won't. Maybe you got to start small. Maybe you're like, I really can't. I really can't. Okay, then don't. But you have to be a witness. You must be a witness. So start with this. Start with an invitation card. Hand it to somebody. Hey, I just want to invite you out to, to, our, to our cookout. That's how I would, listen, when I was young and I was going with Gary Hennessy knocking on doors, I was terrified to talk to people. I still remember Pastor Z saying, Eric, you're 21 now, you're rising in leadership in the church, and it's really important for you to introduce yourself to new people when they come in. And I thought, Because I never had ever introduced myself to anyone, period. So when I walked up to somebody and said, hi, my name is Eric, just saying my own name sounded so bizarre because I never said my own name. I was terrified. But do you know what happened? God equips us to do what he calls us to do. So I began to do it. And just because you're afraid to do something, folks, does not mean you are not able to do something. We tend to let fear govern our lives instead of learning to govern our fear. So don't don't tell me, oh, I'm not able. No, you're afraid. There's a difference. So if you're afraid, take the baby steps. Hey, I just want to invite you out to our cookout. Listen, I still get afraid. I'm still that 18-year-old kid inside. I mean, I know I look 18, but I'm 51, and you would have think I would have gotten over this by now, but sometimes when I go to invite somebody to church, it's like, ah, and you're like, but you stand up on the stage, and I'm like, it's way different up here. This is not scary at all. Talking to people one-on-one that I don't know, terrifying, terrifying. And some of you that think I'm really good in social circles and going to parties, and I, that is a God thing. It's a God thing. If he could do it with me, he can do it with you. But this is what he's called, this is the very basic minimum that you should be doing as a believer is spreading the gospel. That's a bare minimum. Moving on, we, we are to share one another's burdens. Now, you might be sitting here and thinking, well, pastor, I, 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 I don't have any strength. I, I, I'm struggling. I, uh, I can't possibly share somebody else's burden. What strength do I have? And what I want to tell you is that when you start to share others' burdens, you find out that you have far greater strength than you thought you had and that God is pouring his strength into you to bear somebody else's burden. 
And I was telling you about that young man that told me that his therapy was helping other people. It's amazing to me the things that he was helping these other people through were the very same struggles he was having. And what happened when he started to bear the burdens of other people who were struggling with the same thing he was struggling with, his struggle became lighter. It's amazing. Folks, the Bible teaches us, and you can look up these scriptures on your own, that we are to bear one another's burdens. We are to support the ministry of our local church. We are to give drinks of water. The Bible says if you give someone a drink of water in the name of a prophet, you will receive the reward of a prophet. I mean, that's an easy way to get my reward. Just give somebody a drink of water. So for those of you guys that say, oh, you're a high and mighty preacher and all of this, you can get the same reward if you just humble yourself and serve somebody. Serve somebody. Listen, we're to preach and we're to teach. And those of us in authority, we're to understand that our authority is the means by which we serve, not by which we secure service from others. Can I say that again? Because that was a mouthful. Those of us that are in leadership and authority, right? It is the means by which we serve. We must have authority in order to do the job God has called us to do. Right? We must be able to organize. We must be able to assign. We must be able to, to, um, to administrate. Right? It's, it's the means by which we serve others, not by which we secure service for ourselves, to ourselves, from others. So being the pastor doesn't mean that I have you as a servant to me just because I am the pastor. Does that make sense? Deacons? Your whole position is to serve. As a matter of fact, dekanos, the Greek word for deacon, literally means this, to stir up the dust. And, and it means that because they were so busy serving, there was a cloud of dust behind them. That's what being a deacon means. Folks, we should all have the heart of a deacon, willing and ready and able and wanting to serve. A church should never have to beg for its people to serve one another and to serve Jesus. We serve through organized ministries in the church. We, we serve others within the church without organized ministries. Can I tell you that there are people in this church that have decided to be a blessing to my family? Not an organized ministry, not a bless the pastor ministry, not a, just people that said, boy, your burdens are heavy and we want to be a blessing to you. Not people that I have called to serve, not people, people that just have seen it and said, we're going to be a blessing to you. Folks, we serve each other like that in the church without an organization. We just look at somebody and say, I want to be a blessing to you. I want to be a blessing to you. I want to be a blessing to you. We serve the body within without organized ministries. We give a cup of water. We give a ride. We help somebody in need. We, we give an ear and carry a burden. There's a big push now. Listen, I love online church. I love our live streaming. Guys, I love you that are online. But if all you do is online church, you miss moments within the body that you can't ever get back. You miss the moment to see somebody struggling and say, hey, Justin, you look like you're struggling. I'm picking on you, sorry, but you look like you're struggling today. You, you want to talk? What's going on? Let's grab a cup of coffee. You miss those moments. You miss those moments. Mark Lamont saying, I'm going to pick on Mark. When Kirsten had one of her first horrific episodes, 
where it was literally, we, we, we thought we had been transported into the movie Poltergeist. Like if her head was spinning, that's the only thing that would have made it more frightening what we went through. And so I came across to the church and I'm, I'm emotionally distraught. So I went downstairs so I didn't have to see anybody through the hall. And I'm coming up the stairs and the first person I saw was Mark Lamontagne. And Mark has known me since I was 16. He and Pam did premarital counseling for Trisha and I before we got married. They've watched our kids. Talk about being a blessing. And I saw Mark and it was a safe place. Mark had no idea that he was going to come to church that day and be a massive blessing to me. But he saw me and when I saw him, I probably scared you to death, I literally collapsed. I just hit the ground. I just fell on my knees. And he's like, Pastor. I'm like, I'm okay. I'm okay. I just got to breathe. And uh, he just, he, he lifted me up. And I said, can you please just get one of the Ricks and tell them they have the service or any of the other guys I have to take care of some of the hospital. And he just blessed others. He was just a servant. And I had no qualm in saying, hey, Mark, could you do this? There's humility. There's a love. Folks, that's what it means to be a servant. We go on to Ephesians chapter 6 now. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. In other words, be obedient to those who are your, your bosses, who are those, those who are in authority according to the flesh. In other words, in the world, not just in the church, in the world, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to whom? As to Christ, not with eye service, not just to be seen as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart with goodwill, doing service as to whom? As to whom? The Lord. So you're an employee. You should be working and serving in your environment as though you're serving Jesus. There are people that are caught up, pastors and, and preachers, that think the only way they can serve God is in full-time ministry. If I'm not a full-time minister, then I'm not really a minister. And I always confront them because they're wrong. I was no less a pastor when I was working 45 hours at a secular job and planting a church than I am right now in full-time ministry. The call is the call. How you're supported financially is irrelevant but wherever you're working, you're serving Jesus. Where, so Angel's sitting here going, I like this. I like this a lot. I got to find another entrepreneur in the church. This poor angel gets picked on. That means that the guys that are working for me, oh, Josh, the guys, is, does Joe work for your, for your company? So Joe is my slave. Joe needs to be serving me as though he's serving Jesus. I like that a lot. Knowing whatever good a man does, he'll receive the same from the Lord, whether he's slave or whether he's free. And you, Joshua, and angels, do the same things to them. Give up threatening. <laughs> Give up threatening. Knowing that your own master also is in heaven. And didn't we go over this a couple weeks ago? And there is, no, there is no partiality with him. So when God looks at Josh and Angel, he doesn't see Joe and 
whoever's working for you now, on a lower level. Y'all are on the same level. And he's the Lord over both. And so what both of you should do, masters and slaves, proprietors and employees, is you should do what you're doing for the Lord as though you're serving Jesus everywhere you go because what happens is people see this. And why are you so different? When my wife quit her job um, many, many years ago, can I tell you, like she, she served her company as though she was serving Jesus for all the years she worked there. She climbed her way up from answering the phones to being a project manager of jobs that were hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And her boss literally cried when she quit her job. He begged her to stay. Folks, that should be the result of how well you're working as a believer. People find out you're a Christian, the first thing they should do is say, you're hired because, man, I've never had another person work as well as this other Christian that I had working for me. Folks, because we work for Jesus. We work for Jesus as if we were serving Christ himself. This is an image of the woman who is washing Jesus' feet with her tears. Humble, willing, and able to serve Christ himself. It doesn't matter whether it's Jesus in the flesh or whether it's spiritually Jesus. Now look at Matthew chapter 25, and I'm going to go through the rest of this really quickly. So he who received the five talents, back to that original story. He who received the five talents. Some have said this is five lifetimes worth of wages. Some have said it's five years worth of wages. Nevertheless, it's a lot. He came and brought another five. He's like, Lord, you delivered me five talents. Look, I gained five more talents beside them. And... The Lord said to him, well done, good, faithful servant, for you were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered me two. Look, I gained two more beside. And and the Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And I think it's awesome. The people that were listening to this must have been mind boggled because they knew a talent was an enormous sum. And yet, Jesus is saying, you've been faithful over little. I'll make you ruler over much. There's a lot there. Anyways, then he who received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. And I was afraid. There's that fear. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. And look, there it is. You have what is yours. And the Lord answered him and said, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew I reap where I've not sown, gather where I've not scattered seed, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back at least my own with interest, I had at least. So take the talent from him, give it to him who has ten talents for everyone who has. More will be given, he who has an abundance, but from him who does not have even that what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant in the outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And, and here's the caveat on that. That last servant, even though he was part in the church, he was not a part of the church. There are people that are in church, but are not of the church. And Judas was one of them. Judas was part of Jesus 10. He was not a believer. He was not saved. But he was part of the church there, but not spiritually. Check your heart. If you're sitting here this morning, you're saying, well, I don't want to serve. I have no interest in this whatsoever. 
you may not be a believer. Check your heart. Do you know Christ? Because if he's living in you, he will be stirring desires within you to be like himself. How are we to serve? How are we to serve? So we've looked at humility, we've looked at our ability, and now we look at with goodness and faithfulness. With goodness and faithfulness, we are to serve uh, with, with uh, quality, goodness. We are to serve with excellence. Uh, again, I, I liken this back to the, 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 the things I was talking about earlier, how people will come in and they will serve the very minimum cut corners. That's not how you work in the world and that's not how you work for Jesus. Either way, we are to be good and we are to be faithful, trustworthy. I had a kid that worked with me years ago when I was in the secular world and, and we had a big job due the next day and we'd work wicked late and we were all exhausted and we're like, all right, we got to finish this job because it's going out tomorrow. Anybody ever had that happen to them? Job's going out tomorrow. So we look at each other, me, my, the other guy that was equal standing to me and then a couple of the younger guys and we said, all right, we're coming in at 430 because we got to get this thing out the door. You with me? And John Foch is like, yeah, I'm coming at 5.30. Mike, I'm coming at 5.30. Then we get these two other guys. We're like, well, I'm going to try to be there at 4.30. I'll try. And then we're like, you know what Yoda said? There is only do. Do or do not. (laughs) And and I'm like, what do you mean you're going to try? Well, I I don't want to say I will because maybe if something happens, I might not be able to make it. No, no, no. What you're saying is you're going to try because you want to have an excuse so that we can't be mad at you when you don't get here at 4.30 like the rest of us. Folks, we need to be faithful. If we say we're going to do something, we do it. We do it. If we are in ministry, listen, there's days off. There's times where you can't make it. You're sick. Your kid has something going on. We get that. But faithfulness means you're going to be here when you're supposed to be here. Galatians chapter 6. Let him who is taught in the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will also reap of the flesh corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will reap of the spirit everlasting life. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are the household of faith. And I'm going to wrap up on this. There are consequences to service. You can't escape them. It's a spiritual law, the law of sowing and reaping. You're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We already went over that. And you're either going to stand before him with joy or with sorrow. There are negative consequences. When we have the opportunity to serve and we don't, we're going to suffer loss. When we're called into service and we don't, we're going to suffer loss. The Bible says, though we ourselves are saved, though as by fire. Be careful that's not you this morning. Be careful you're not the Judas in Jesus' church. There's positive consequences to service. Sometimes we use that word consequence and we think it's all negative. It's only bad. No, there's positive consequences. When you serve, what happened to that young man at camp? What did he say? He was blessed. When we serve, we are blessed. We are rewarded when we serve faithfully, submissively, joyfully, and lovingly. And so to wrap up, one phrase, one phrase as the worship team comes forward. 
<clears throat> Sometimes serving loses its shine. Sometimes we get tired, do we not? Sometimes we might even feel old. I was talking to Mark about when I tie my shoes, it hurts. Anybody else in that boat? Oh, especially in the morning. Get Velcro, yeah. Not at that, I'm not at your stage yet, brother. Not there yet. Um, but what you need to do, you need to recognize the enemy doesn't want you to serve. I would like you to do this. I would like you to press on. I would like you to press on. This guy is going to finish that race. He is not quitting. He is not, he's not giving up. If he doesn't come in first, he doesn't care. He is just not giving up. Press on. Press on. In 1 Corinthians 15, it tells us, we know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. So be steadfast, unmoving, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Folks, press on. Some of you have not jumped into the pool of service yet. Hey, listen, the water's fine. Jump on in. Are you going to get hurt? Heck yes. Of course you're going to get hurt. It's part of the job. When I worked a secular job, did I not ever get hurt? Trish, how many times did you get a call from Troy that Eric was in the emergency room? Too many times. Nothing super serious. A few stitches here and there and... Troy always called Trish like I had died. Hi, Trisha. This is Troy. Don't panic. But Eric's in the ER. Everything's going to be okay. <laughs> Folks, you're going to get hurt. You get hurt on the job, do you quit? I tore my ribcage from my sternum on the job. I was at work the next day. Granted, it was really stupid because I didn't make it through the day. Folks, we don't quit. I got mended up, went back to work. Rick Moore's back there, chopped his thumb off building this other building, picked it up, put it in his mouth, dusted it off, stuck it on, got some duct tape, went back to work. No, I think somebody put it in a cooler, right? Did Pastor Z pick it up? Couldn't find it? <laughs> no, that's not funny. <laughs> when you go to shake Rick's hand, just take a quick look. <laughs> Folks, press on. What a great example of service to boss. I call him the boss because he was, he was the guy that, that, that I first started to serve with when I came to Emmanuel. Press on. Press on. Get back in the fight. Get back in the pool. Now, if you don't know Jesus, maybe you're the Judas. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I don't have any joy in service. I don't want to serve Jesus. I want nothing to do with this. Can I tell you, you're probably not one of his. You're probably not one. If you don't care for others, you're probably not one of his. And you need Jesus. If I could have all his bowed nice clothes for a moment or two. If you were to die this morning, do you know for absolute certain that you have a home in heaven? Are you absolutely positive that your sins have been forgiven? Uh, or if you're here this morning and, and serving is like anathema to you, makes no sense, would you look into your heart to see if Jesus is there? Because Jesus is the servant.
of others. And if you don't know Jesus and you want him this morning, all you need to do is cry out to Jesus, Lord, I'm a sinner by birth and by choice. And I need to be forgiven and I want to change. I want your heart and mine. Please save my eternal soul. And the Bible says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he will reach down and he will save your eternal soul and he will wash you clean and he will hold you and keep you and never let you go. Even when you have moments when you give up and you quit, he never gives up and quits on you. Hey all, thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.